Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It takes a lot of hard work and guts to make it in Detroit, and no one knows that better than Carhartt. Since 1889, Carhartt's been making the toughest, most trusted gear for anyone who outworks them. Because from field to farm and all sites in between, Carhartt's got your back for whatever lies ahead. Hey, this is Jackson Job, and the Road to Detroit podcast starts now. Here's your host, Dan Hasty. Let's challenge ourselves. Let's challenge ourselves. Let's try collectively to be better and remind ourselves that player development is not always linear. It rarely ever goes in a straight line. If it did, what would be the need for player development? (laughs) If everything happened on time, there would be no reason to have people in positions to develop players. And I'll admit, sometimes I'm not patient. I want to see results right away. But we can't apply that same logic with a broad brush. There's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all when it comes to player development. Some guys come out of the gate red hot. We saw a guy like Isaac Pacheco in West Michigan about a week and a half ago hit two homers in his first two games at the high A level at just 19 years old. Sometimes it looks like that. But inevitably, players, opponents, and leagues adjust. Rarely does it stay that way. Ebbs and flows. That's baseball. Sometimes we need to be willing collectively to embrace the productive struggle. The productive struggle, the time where you have a player you know is talented who's not putting up the numbers you want him to be putting up. And keep in mind that some of those numbers you may want him to be putting up are not the numbers that mean more. There are some numbers that you don't have the access to, that we don't have the access to, that many of us don't have the access to, that could tell us even more. Gone are the days where we look at a win-loss and an ERA. Here are the days where we look deeper. Here are the days where we look into analytics. We look into every different number involved with a position player, with a pitcher. And that is why Jackson Job just got promoted. Jackson Job is now headed to High A West Michigan. Will make his debut this week with the High A Whitecaps. Now, typically, some of those numbers and analytics will line up to a certain extent, 
with the traditional statistics that you and I and our grandparents grew up with. Case in point, Jackson Job, last seven starts in Lakeland. 26 innings, a 381 ERA, a much lower whip of 1.15, seven walks, 31 strikeouts. And the numbers get even better if you look at August. For the first time in his pro career, his ERA dipped under three in a month. I do not care that he was 0-2. I don't think anyone should care. I don't think you should care how many games he loses. Because in today's modern construct of minor league baseball, guys aren't throwing five innings anymore, especially 20-year-olds like Jackson Job. These guys are throwing maybe three to five innings at best. And unfortunately, in the minor leagues, we have the same rule in the major leagues that you have to pitch five innings for a win. There's a lot of major league teams that don't start their starting pitchers and have them go five innings, including a team that has a lot of influence now in the Tigers system, the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's a team that throws their starting pitcher for about two to three innings every night. And I would not be surprised if that became more of the norm in the Tigers system in the years to come. So Jackson Job can go 3-15 and 15 for all I care. I care about his ERA a little bit more. I care about his whip a lot more. I care about how many hits he's allowing in innings pitched. And I care about the command. But even despite all that, there are so many more numbers that can measure that success. Spin rate's just the tip of the iceberg. But in the month of August, Jackson Job has thrown 12 and two-thirds innings. He's given up four earned runs on nine base hits, four walks, and 15 strikeouts. In his last game in Lakeland, he threw 32 pitches and generated 10 swings and misses. Trust me when I tell you, that number meant a whole lot more to some people than it did most people. And that's part of the reason we'll see Jackson Job in West Michigan for the rest of this season. This is the Road to Detroit podcast. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Our producer is Nate Wangler. I'm Dan Hasty. Coming up on this edition of the show... Well, it's only fitting that because Jackson Job, the number one prospect in the Tigers system, is headed to West Michigan and about to make his debut in front of all the cameras for high A. They don't have as many cameras down there in low A. He'll be joining us coming up this week on the road to Detroit, and we're going to talk to him about the productive struggle. We're going to talk to him about finding his way in professional baseball. As of a year ago at this time, Jackson Job had never thrown a pitch beyond Heritage Hall High School in Oklahoma. So what he has learned from that point to now is significant. We'll catch up and see how things have changed for him and how his perspective has changed, especially now that he's learning the game, not just from a physical perspective, but from a mental standpoint as well. You've got to deal with failure in this game. doesn't matter if it happens every start, every other start, or once in a blue moon. You have to be able to deal with it. What has Jackson figured out since starting this season? in pro ball. We'll talk to Jackson coming up. We're also going to take some of your questions as well. We'll ask those as Jackson Job joins us coming up. Jackson Job joins us. That's not the easiest thing I've ever had to say on this show. He'll join us coming up in just a little bit. We've got a lot to get to. Let's do the on-ramp. It wasn't exactly a standout week down in the complex league. The FCL Tigers finished the week one and three. They split two games against the Blue Jays before they fell to the Phillies in consecutive games. Not a whole lot in terms of individual standouts to talk about down in the FCL. So let's just skip over to low A Lakeland. The Flying Tigers, the former home of Jackson Job, won four out of six against the St. Lucie Mets at home. That team has started to pick things up a little bit as of late. The Lakeland Flying Tigers have 
all season been one of the youngest teams in the Florida State League, but they have found a way to keep themselves with competitive records and playing decent baseball considering some of the challenges that they have. That includes Manny Sakara, the number 12 prospect for the Tigers. He was just three for 18 at the plate, but even in a week where he didn't exactly hit for the highest batting average, those three hits, all extra base hits, a double, two homers, and five runs batted in. Roberto Campos, though, he had a couple extra base hits. He had a seven for 19 week, two doubles, four RBIs. He's the Tigers' number eight prospect right there, talking about a couple of guys that will be working their way through the system the remainder of this year, and especially into next season. Peyton Graham, second rounder from this year's MLB draft. He went three for 22 with a double and three RBIs, but just like Jace Young in West Michigan, these are aggressive assignments. And again, I go back to what happened last year with Spencer Torkelson in West Michigan. Took him about two or three weeks to calibrate, to figure it out, and then he became one of the best offensive players in the league. I think it's worth just allowing these guys to learn the professional game. Let's go to high A West Michigan. The Whitecaps split a six-game set with Lake County. That's the Cleveland Guardians Midwest League affiliate. The Lake County captains and the Whitecaps played. It saw each team win three games apiece. That leaves West Michigan one game back of first place in the race for the Midwest League's second-half division title with 18 games to go going into this week. Brant Herter, the Tigers' number 23 prospect, the seventh rounder out of last year's draft. He ended up earning a promotion to Erie. He dominated the captains on Wednesday, gave up two runs through five innings while striking out seven, and it was while Herter was promoted to double-A that Jackson Job received his call to go from Lakeland to West Michigan. Meanwhile, Josh Crouch, 7 for 23. We have banged the drum for Josh Crouch this year on this show. And finally, he is now a top 30 prospect. We have finally seen it happen. It has happened. Miracles do come true. Josh Crouch is the number 30 prospect for the Detroit Tigers organization. So congratulations to Josh Crouch. There are some lists, by the way, that have him significantly higher than that. When we told him, he said, it's just the beginning. He's just the beginning. That's Josh Crouch. He was now hitting 300 at the plate, nine homers, and 56 runs batted in this year. As for Jace Young, he's hitting just 216 out of the gate, but he's drawn some walks. It was four for 20 with a double and three runs batted in. Should be fun to see the Tigers' number one and two prospects take the field, even together in some cases, this week in West Michigan. To double-A Erie, the Seawolves won two out of seven against the Akron Rubber Ducks. That's another Guardians affiliate. They're now tied with the Bowie Bay Sox for first place in the Eastern League Southwest Division. Ty Madden had his best start as an Erie Seawolf. He dominated his last start against Akron. Six shutout innings, allowed just two hits, striking out six batters. It's not going to be rocket science with Ty Madden. If he keeps the ball in the ballpark, he's going to dominate. That's exactly what he did going for the Erie Seawolves last week. Meanwhile, Reese Olsen. I see our producer, Nate Wangler, wanted me to tell you that he shoved against the Rubber Ducks. That's what kids say now. Allowed just one run through six innings, struck out eight on Thursday. Reese Olsen's had good numbers, by the way, in August. 15 and a third innings. He's given up just four runs, and he struck out 20 batters, which is kind of on par for what he's done this season already, at least in terms of strikeouts, but he's allowing a little bit less hard contact and the runs are coming down against him. Meanwhile, Wilmer Flores, more of the same. He, the Tigers' number three prospect and Baseball America's top 100 Tigers prospect, he delivered Nate Wangler a solid birthday present. (laughs) 
It's very important. Nate wanted you to know he had a birthday last week. And Wilmer Flores, he was here to party. He allowed just two runs through six innings and struck out seven on Saturday. Happy birthday. Happy belated birthday, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. Parker Meadows, he was a second rounder back in 2018. And now he has officially reestablished himself as a Detroit Tigers prospect. The 22-year-old this past week, more of the same. He has played this second half as well as he's played any stretch of baseball in his professional career. Seven for 20, a double, a triple, two homers, four runs batted in against Akron in the month of August. Parker Meadows is hitting 313 with a 402 on base percentage, six homers, and 11 runs batted in. And we still have about a week left this month. Let's go to Toledo. The Mud Hens won three out of five against the Columbus Clippers before having their final game postponed due to rain. Meanwhile, Spencer Torkelson, just keep an eye on it, six for 19 this past week. Two doubles, three runs batted in. As long as it clicks back into place before this year ends for Spencer, I think this will have been an important season for Spencer Torkelson. If any luck, he's right back there at first base at Comerica Park next year. But Spencer needs to find how to simplify and how to get things back on track. And no matter what it takes, as long as he finds that before the end of the season, we've got a couple of weeks left. And we might even have to make a little road trip out to Toledo and go check on him. Because regardless of the fact that he's not considered a prospect, in air quotes, anymore, he's still a vital piece to the road to Detroit. But things possibly starting to turn a little bit for Spencer Torkelson in Toledo. Meanwhile, Austin Bergner, three shutout innings and a strikeout against Columbus on Saturday. Good to see solid work from the Tigers. Number 17 prospect. He has slowly but surely worked his way farther and farther up those lists. That's a look at the on-ramp. It is everything that took place over the past week in the Tigers minor league system. A rundown of Jackson Job. He'll join us coming up in just a little bit. This is the Road to Detroit podcast. We're presented by Carhartt, and this is our opportunity to help these guys tell their stories each and every week. This week, it'll be Jackson Job, and there's a lot more where that came from. I'm sure over the course of the rest of the season, we could be talking to guys like Peyton Graham, who was one of the biggest, most important players in the 2022 College World Series. He shined at Oklahoma, ended up getting himself drafted in round two. We could be talking to Parker Meadows. And you know what? We could be talking to Spencer Torkelson at some point before this season is over. And the only place that you'll get to hear from all of those guys is right here on the road to Detroit. If you found us, make sure you go in, you rate the show. It's like tipping your waiter. You hit those five stars, that is all we ask from you. Now let's go to best in class. Of all the players in the Tigers minor league system, this one made a whole lot of noise. No balls and a strike on Meadows. Here's the next pitch. Parker swings and drives one to center field. Chris Roller on the run, long way, up against the wall, and he can't make the play, and he collides with the left fielder, and they both go down. Meadows heads to third. He's going to be waved around, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is a stand-up inside the park home run for Yuri's first hit of the game. Touch him all time. Parker Meadows, number 13, and inside the park home run, it's a 4-1 game. You just heard us talking about him. Was there any doubt that Parker Meadows had the best chance to become this week's best in class? He dominated. And as somebody who got a chance to watch him very closely for the majority of his player development career, it is not easy to have to learn 
all of these things on the fly. I mean, remember, he was nicknamed the Baby Giraffe. I mean, I've never <laughs> seen a nickname like that last throughout a major league career. But it just went to show how much physical maturation had to take place to get Parker Meadows to a place like he's found himself now. And that is one of the most productive hitters in the Tigers minor league system this year. He went through as difficult of a learning curve as anybody. And the way we started this show this week was that player development is not linear. Rarely does it happen in a straight line. And with Parker Meadows, that line curved way down. And now that line has just come way back up. This season alone, Parker Meadows has actually more extra base hits. He has more doubles and triples than he has home runs. This guy now currently holds 42 extra base hits in 103 games coming into play this week. Not just that, but he knows that he's more dangerous at the plate now. And we've talked to some of his teammates and guys in the minor league system for years. And every year they walk away always telling us the same thing. Hey, I think this is going to be Meadows' year. It's not the first time we've heard it. We heard it coming into this year. We heard it coming into last season. It is hard to find players who don't sing the praises of Parker Meadows. And at that point, when those guys talk, we listen. But this season alone, he's on pace for at least 20 home runs, if not 25. He's also showing his ability as an athlete. His stolen base numbers have gone sky high in terms of efficiency. He used to have a harder time stealing bases. Now, 13 stolen bases. He's only been caught once this year. You know, this guy has seen a 50-point jump in his batting average from last year, and that's while going from high A to double A. Parker Meadows might be one of the best stories in terms of player development in the entire Tigers minor league system, which means he gets to be this week's best in class. And Nate, I, I I didn't even realize this until you just reminded me. But but what was this about Parker Meadows? You just said Parker Meadows is the first back to back recipient of the Best in Class award this season. He's the only guy, and there have been many who have been in this conversation. Guys who have made a run, and we said, ah, you know what? Let's give it to somebody else. But you know what? His numbers were loud over the last week, over the last two weeks, and he put us in a spot where we had to give it to him. So congratulations, and Parker. As somebody who's been watching you for a long time, I'm so thrilled and I'm so excited. I know a lot of people are excited to see things coming together for you and for your family. Parker Meadows, this week's Best in Class Award. Nate's got to look at the Dylan Rosa Award winner. Who's receiving this week's Rosa? You know, they're down to three on the Bachelorette now, by the way. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hometowns week. It's a big week. (laughs) You mentioned important stats when we began the show, specifically when it comes to pitchers. We were talking about Jackson Job. It's not all about wins and losses. More specifically, it's not just about wins, losses, and ERA. There are several other stats that matter along the line. I'll give you my favorite. Opponent batting average. For Wilmer Flores, through the months of July and August, he is holding opposing batters to an average of 164. On the season, just 185. Another important stat I'll give to you. Walks and strikeouts, what that ratio looks like. Flores has just seven walks over the last two months. The 30 punch-outs over that span of time on the season, 17 free passes to 109 strikeouts for Wilmer Flores. And just the cherry on top, he is a top 100 prospect according to Baseball America. 
So when we look at Wilmer Flores, not only does the win-loss record and the ERA line up, but he's giving up weak contact and he's striking out batters at a clip much, much higher than he's walking anyone. Altogether for Wilmer this season, it has been a solid, solid stretch for him, and he's only given up four or more in two starts this entire year. He is the winner of this week's Rosa. And you know something? He could have easily taken best in class. Mm -hmm. He easily could have walked away because look at his numbers. You know, we talk about things getting better as you go up the system. Well, Wilmer's not really been in double A for very long. Then again, he wasn't even in high A for very long. But his ERA has come down so much in double A where it's actually not sitting that far away from the numbers he was putting together during his brief stint in West Michigan. So he's bringing those numbers down. And now it's looking more and more like Wilmer Flores is the same guy in double A that he was in single A. Look, all due respect, because there's been a lot of different guys that have come through West Michigan, for example. But for me, Wilmer Flores is one of, if not the most electric arm I've seen come through West Michigan in a long, long time. He got what I like to call movie strikeouts. And here's what movie strikeouts are. Movie strikeouts are when you're watching a movie and a guy swings and misses, like they have like a compilation (laughs) of guys striking out where they're not even remotely close to the baseball. That's a movie strikeout. And Wilmer Flores led the Whitecaps, and I'm sure he's probably doing some of the same work in Erie in movie strikeouts. So congratulations to Wilmer Flores. He is this week's Rosa Award winner. That's a look at best in class. Now the moment you've been waiting for here on this edition of the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. Our conversation about the productive struggle that has been the 2022 season with the number three overall pick in last year's MLB draft. Detroit Tigers top prospect Jackson Job joins us right here on the RTD. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. This has been the moment we have been waiting for pretty much all season. If you're talking about the perspective from West Michigan, the high A site of the Detroit Tigers, Midwest League affiliate, the West Michigan Whitecaps, Jackson Job, the top prospect in the Detroit Tigers minor league system, according to MLB Pipeline and Baseball America, joins us now here on the show. Jackson Job has had very good numbers in the month of August and over his last seven starts, and he has made it here to West Michigan. Jackson Job, talk to me. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here and ready to win some games and get after it this last month we got left of the season. Talk to me about what it means to you. I mean, you made it. You made it to West Michigan. This was a place I'm sure you had in your mind at some point, either before the season, during the season, lately, to get here. What's it feel like to now have actually gotten to this point? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it's it's night and day compared to Lakeland, just the atmosphere and the guys we have here. And like you said, it's definitely kind of the goal you have in mind starting the season is wanting to get up to the next level. So. Now that I'm here, especially having Isaac and some other familiar faces that I've played with in Lakeland, it's 
it's uh it's gonna be a lot of fun that's for sure I want to get into your season and the ups and downs for you this year and what you've learned but before we get into that that Lakeland team is really interesting because not until this year have we seen at least from the West Michigan perspective the Lakeland team be filled with so many super young guys. We're talking about Christian Santana and Manny Sequeira and Isaac and now yourself. A couple of those guys who are here, some of those guys still down there. Roberto Campos is another guy that comes to mind. But that was, a, and still is, a super, super young team. Yeah, that's an insanely talented team with all the guys we got down there. Um, uh, you know, with Sakara, Campo, Santana, Isaac, and many more, like you said. But um, no, I mean they got they got all the tools in the world. Those guys to be great. It's just a matter of you know putting it all together, like like myself um, and a lot of young players. So um, it was really fun to play with them. Really fun to watch them, and they were great guys. You know, learning, being taught Spanish and the whole bit. Got pretty close with those guys. So. Looking forward to playing with them in Detroit someday, hopefully. How's your Spanish? It's going a lot better, actually. I've, I probably learned more Spanish playing a few months here or down in Lakeland than I did all throughout high school taking Spanish classes. So <laughs> it's, been, it's been a lot of fun, but I, I like it. I'm, a, I'm very intrigued by, by learning language and being able to talk to those guys. Shout out to Jackson Job's old school high school Spanish teacher. No hard feelings, by the way. So tell me a little bit about those other guys because you guys had to go through a productive struggle you guys even then are still sitting or at least we're still sitting around the 500 mark but you have to take a lot of lumps to be in low a and to learn professional baseball was it helpful for some of you guys to go through those experiences together uh yeah no definitely um i think uh i think the best way for you to learn um is through struggle struggling you know um you're not going to learn a ton just by dominating every time out there. So me and a lot of those guys going through struggles and especially as a team together, it kind of teaches you how to get through that and, um, uh, you know, figure out how to win games, even if you're not playing the best, which is, you know, something that's going to help all of us when we get to Detroit and, and help win games there, maybe if you're not feeling the best. So um, just stuff like that, I think that you're going to learn throughout the minor leagues and, I know myself and, and everyone else has a ton more to learn throughout this entire system. So, I remember looking back at your high school numbers, and we talked about this time last year, and I was trying to do math, which I hate. And I saw that you had thrown something like 50 innings at the high school level, Heritage Hall High School in Oklahoma, and you had struck out like 122 batters, which means 30 guys even put the ball in play for an out against you. You talked about how it's harder to dominate. Well, you were doing that. You were dominating, granted, at the high school level, which is a night and day difference from what you're doing now. And I think for many Tigers fans, you understand that it's never going to be that easy going from high school to professional baseball. But the question becomes, you know, like that old saying says, 10% is what happens to you in life and 90% how you react to it. Yeah. So how have you reacted to not being able to I guess, for lack of a better phrase, strike everybody out. Yeah, no, it's definitely different. I mean, this is this is really my second year as a quote-unquote starting pitcher. Um, so you know, coming in the spring training, having a lot of expectations. Um, it was tough coming from, like you said, you know, dominating and striking everybody out to coming here where guys see 95, 96, and that's just kind of another day at the ballpark for them. So. 
uh, it was definitely an adjustment. Um, I kind of had to redefine what I saw as success because I'd go out there in high school and if if I didn't have 15 strikeouts and give up no runs, then it wasn't a good game for me. And um, you know, it's just not it's not realistic at the professional level to go out there and do that every every uh, every outing. Um, so you know, learning that was was tough at the beginning um, on the mentals and whatnot. And, um, kind of found myself you know, overthinking some stuff on the mound as far as just giving the hitters too much credit, seeing their professional jersey that they have on versus what I was seeing in high school. Um, so uh, that was definitely an adjustment. But, um, you know, I think in July is when I kind of started to figure some things out, um, get some more confidence and just kind of trust in, in what got me here and what I've been doing. Um, but. Steve Smith, our, um, our uh, higher-up uh, pitching coordinator, he, he brought us all together in spring training and they told us, told us two different things. He told us that the path to the big leagues is never going to be linear. So that, that definitely helped me get through it. And we may have just said that on the show today. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, and then he told me that um, what got you to – where you're at now isn't always what's going to get you to the big leagues. So um, definitely have to be open to learning more things. And I think I've made a lot of really good adjustments this year. And then obviously being able to be up here in West Michigan and finish up the year here, I think it's going to help me a ton um, in the off season as far as, you know, um, putting together a plan of how to attack the next season and come out strong out of the gate. You mentioned expectations, and we opened this up. We asked fans of this show to submit questions for you. And one of the big questions was involving expectations and how you have dealt with them over the course of the season. It's not, I mean, it's great to be a number three overall pick in the MLB draft, but it's also hard. And there's probably a lot more that people don't realize that comes with it. So for you, you mentioned also the word overthinking. So... Have those two ever intersected, the expectations and the overthinking? Has one led to the other for you? And what have you learned about how to deal with that? For sure, yeah. I feel like, you know, majority of higher prospects go through that kind of thing. And obviously you see what, you know, people are saying um, and whatnot. But a lot of it for me is just, like, the expectations I have for myself. I, I hold myself to a really high standard on and off the field both. So, um you know, with the new group and all coming in, I wanted to come in, make a good impression for them and also show my my abilities. And, um, you know, sometimes you try to do too much instead of just kind of remembering who you are and to be yourself. And that's uh, that's kind of what I got back to, you know, the past couple of months. And um, I think it's, it's really has helped me a lot. There is always this adage when it comes to younger pitchers, especially ones taken out of high school, that they need to go from being a thrower to being a pitcher. I'm sure you probably heard something along these lines this season. What changes have you seen in your game that have changed you from a thrower to a pitcher? Yeah, for me it's been you know, being able to command all my pitches, throw all of them for a strike, especially the changeup. You know, being a starting pitcher, you – you need more than just just two pitches. You need to be able to land all your all your secondaries for for strikes and whatnot. So that was a that was a big thing for me. And then um, one of the things we had hammered all season was um, 
was my fastball and you know i don't want to get into the into the metrics and everything i don't know if everyone that's classified that. information <laughs> but um yeah no it's not it's not all about velocity i've i've been a hard thrower and um there's some tweaks that that need to be made to my grip to add some more movement that have uh have definitely helped a lot so have that paired with the change up and then you know sliders the bread and butter so just continue to to um be consistent with that and um just you know keep rolling but i think the development guys here have done a really good job and um i think we're gonna put a pretty good plan together in the off season to be able to dominate next year you're one of these guys that has a lot of physical development ahead of him and also trying to actively manage the mental development because you know you went to high school and you you dominated you struck out like everybody we already went through the numbers so one of the things that I remember hearing from guys who were in your position, and there have been a handful of guys that have been taken in the first round. Matt Manning was a Tigers first rounder a handful of years ago. Bo Burrows a year before him. High school pitchers. And one of the things that we heard them tell us was that, hey, this was not the same game that I was playing a year ago in the sense of some of these guys never even had to throw from the set. Some of these guys were just so dominant that they were throwing from the windup. Is that true? Yeah, no, it's actually funny to bring that up because that was one of the things I struggled with in the beginning was throwing from the stretch because I really just wasn't used to, you know, controlling the running game. And, you know, people forget, like, when there's runners on base and, you know, first or second, you're trying to think about holding them on and it doesn't feel natural to you yet, then you got a lot going on up in your head and then, you're trying to execute the pitch at the same time and it's just like it's just kind of a learning curve that you have to go through um but just like anything it just takes reps and um you know i've i've accepted that you know i got a lot of a lot of growing to do i think i've done a lot of good things this year but i think i can be you know so much better so what's important about figuring out how to pitch out of the stretch is how you can avoid those snowball innings how things can get away from you so what have you learned to this point from based on where you were at the beginning of the year about how to throw out of the set? Um, I think it's just kind of, you know, slowing the game down mentally, being able to, when stuff gets crazy, when guys get on, be able to step back, take a deep breath, and be able to just manage the game better. And for me now, when stuff goes sideways, I don't, you know, get crazy and think I got to strike the next three guys out. Um, I just kind of, you know, reset and, try to get a ground ball, a double play, and trust the guys behind me. But you really just – you can't try to do too much out there because, you know, that's when, that's when you get hurt. We're talking with Jackson Job. Did you have a pitch clock down in low A? We did. I think it was 14 seconds. You got 14 seconds from the windup when you got the ball to make the pitch, and then it was 18 seconds from the stretch. How did that work out for you? What did you think of it? Uh, it was fine. It, it definitely um, sped up the game as a whole. The, we didn't really have any games lasting three hours, so I guess that was good. But you know, at the beginning, having to kind of pay attention to that was um, was a little frustrating. But I mean, you get you get used to it after a few starts. You mentioned the slider, the spin rate, the stuff of legends among Tigers fans across, whether it be Tigers Twitter or anywhere. And one of the questions we got. Zeke Jennings chimed in and he asked, he said, which of your pitches are you most happy or comfortable with right now? And which is the hardest for you to master? Because just because your slider is your best pitch, 
I don't know if that necessarily means it's the one you're happiest with. So where does that sit? Like, like take us through the arsenal and how it's grown for you this year. Fastball, slider, and some of the other pitches you're working with. Yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm definitely most happy with my fastball this year. From Like I mentioned earlier, coming in here and not having a ton of movement, not getting a ton of swing and misses on that pitch to now where it's at, where um, you know I am getting more, more swings and misses. So that's been, that's been pretty fun to watch that grow. Um, I got an occasional two seam or sinker that I mix in, you know, probably four or five percent of the time, just if I feel like I need to show a different look. Um, and then I have the slider, which I feel I feel really good with. And then the change up, uh, change has been good. F- spent a lot of time last off season working on it. And it's really just, really just a feel pitch. Um, I feel pretty comfortable with it, but there's some days where it's just like you just don't have a good feel for it, and you gotta find a way to to make do without it. Um, and then uh, I've thrown a few curveballs, um, which I feel good with. So I got, um, I think I mentioned five, but I'm kind of sticking with the four-seam slider changeup majority of the time. And then as as I continue to grow, I'll mix some, some of those others in there a little bit more. But right now I'm just trying to really master the fastball, master the slider, and master the changeup. A wise man once said, fastball command is life. And if you have that, you can do a lot of different things. Talking Tigers Bigs on Twitter asks, what's the biggest difference you noticed facing hitters at the minor league level compared to the high school level? I mean, it's, it's, it's not even close. I mean, playing in high school, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I, I had a lot of fun with those guys. But, I mean, to try to compare those guys to – you know what what we're facing here i don't really think it's it's uh it's comparable um you know i think i think there's different things that are tough you know in high school versus here like in high school for me it was pretty easy you know in the fourth or fifth inning to get a little bit lackadaisical and kind of lose focus whereas here i I need to be focused 100 percent of the time but when you're just you know, kind of rolling through guys. Um, you're not always locked in. You can find yourself in, in trouble when um, you're not in that correct mental state. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've, I've learned so much more here than I ever did in high school, and that's really what I need um, to help me grow. So. so you could get away with pretty much anything at the high school level. Is that right? Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Jackson Joe joins us here on the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. So you've gone through almost a full professional season. The last time we talked, you hadn't even thrown a pitch yet. So now you've had a chance to see what pro ball looks like. You've had a chance to grow and learn through your own experiences, through your team's experiences, and now you get yourself to West Michigan. But that's only because some of the things started to improve for you down in Lakeland. So take me through what started to improve. Um, for me, it was my mechanics. Um, I had gotten really caught up with trying to get more movement on my fastball. So my thought was always try to make the fastball move and not really think about mechanics. So my mechanics would get thrown off at times, which would lead to command issues. And um, uh, the month of July is when I really started to fix things. And over the all-star break, um, worked on some good things as well. But um, yeah, I know with the command as well, um, you know, it's been, uh, I've made a lot of good adjustments and I feel really good. 
you start to find things that you can point to tangibly that are better as the season goes on. So you've obviously learned a few things down in Lakeland, and now you get a chance to come to West Michigan and, and test out some of this, these different strides you've made. What do you want to do? I mean, you're only going to have a handful of games in West Michigan the rest of the year. So what are you looking to gain from this experience? Um, I'm looking to get a feel for, you know, I, I expect, I'll, I assume I'll be up here next year. So kind of get a feel for what this level's like. And and be honest, I want to dominate and win games and win a, win a championship. Um, since it's already been so much fun being down here playing with these guys. I haven't even been able to pitch, but it's been just hanging out in the dugout and the energy is it's just completely different than than what I've been around um so if we can get to the playoffs and win a championship I can't even imagine what what that experience would be like so that's the main goal right now I know it sounds cliche but it's it really is what I'm looking forward to the most so you're only gonna have a handful of games but you're gonna get a chance to go from playing in Lakeland in front of just a handful of people to a, a sold-out crowd of people that just cannot wait to see you pitch. So, I mean, how do you manage that? How do you compartmentalize that? I mean, I know it's the same ball, it's the same distance to the plate, but how are you going to be able to put that aside and just go to work? Yeah, no, I'm definitely. there's definitely going to be some more nerves flowing than down in Lakeland with our, our crazy crowd of 25 to 30. So, you know, it's... Um, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I, I really like the atmosphere here. Like, I look forward to, to um, you know, stuff like this. I, I, I like nerves when I go out and pitch. I feel like it helps me focus. And um, especially, I mean, having a home crowd with people behind you, people that haven't seen you pitch yet. So um, I'm looking forward to showing them what I got and um, winning the game and having fun while I do it. Now you only have a couple of games. You get a chance to do this here. That's all exciting. Are your parents coming to watch you pitch at any point the rest of the season? Yeah, so my dad, it's actually a pretty crazy coincidence. My dad is playing in a tournament up here in Michigan. I can't remember the, the exact city, but it's a couple hours away. And so him and a few of his uh, golf golf guys are running down here for um, the debut on Wednesday. So he got in he got in last night. He flew into Detroit, and so he'll be here be here on Wednesday for it. So I'm really excited for that. He's only been able to catch a few of my games because he's been traveling so much. So it'll be a lot of fun, and for him to see this this crowd, I mean, it'll be it'll be awesome for the both of us. Big crowd, big ballpark, big dimensions. I know you had some of those in Lakeland. You'll get more of that in West Michigan, and hopefully someday you'll get a lot of that at Comerica Park. Is is it fun to be able to throw in? gigantic ballparks like the one you're about to pitch in this week yeah absolutely i mean the, the ball i mean the ball between here and in florida i mean i've seen balls in florida go out where it seems like guys are hitting it off the edge of their bat but i saw a couple balls here last week where i thought for sure it was going out or getting to a gap and the guy was just camped right under it so you know great for me you know not so great for isaac unfortunately so <laughs> that's all right i want to hear about isaac pacheco because he came here and he hit the ground running he had a home run in his first two ball games one of the opposite field one of the pull field which went about i think it's still going to be honest with you and we've had a chance to see him kind of enjoy his introduction to west michigan of course then he got hurt he's thankfully back in the lineup this week for the whitecaps but what has it been like? Because I assume you got to know Isaac pretty well over the course of his time in Lakeland. I know you guys roomed together during your time after you'd been drafted, but you guys kind of go way back. So what is it like now knowing that both of you guys made that big step? 
Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, when he got called up, um, I was really happy for him, obviously, but I was kind of bummed out because, like you said, I lost, <laughs> I lost my roommate and was hanging out alone at the house, which was different. But it was also kind of some, um, you know, encouragement to get my butt up here. So, you know, I really just tried to work hard and was talking to him every day about, you know, my situation, how he was liking it here, and um, was just really wanting to get up here. Um, but uh, we get, we've been really close for um, a couple years now. We got the same same agent, played a little bit of summer ball with each other towards the end of our high school uh, careers. So um, it's been awesome having him and to be up here with him and have him be one of the first faces I see when I walk in the clubhouse was really cool. All right, so I want you, before you go, and we appreciate you taking the time with us, I want you to think hard back to this full season, most of it that has been spent in Lakeland. And I want you to take all the time you need to come up with this answer. I want to hear about something weird, something crazy, something unexpected that happened to you, whether it be during a game on a field, whether it be at a hotel, whether it be at an apartment with a host family, anything that would hit you as, I didn't see that one coming. Was there anything for you that really caught you by surprise? Yeah, there was a, there was a time down in Lakeland where um, me and Isaac were, were going to get a bite to eat. And um, we had just had like a really bad, there was a really bad storm going on. And, um, you know, the electricity was out and and we, we both walk out the door. We're about to go grab a bite to eat. And um, I think he's driving. He thinks I'm driving. So neither of us have our keys, right? So we, we walk out of the door, shut it. And then we both realize that we don't have our keys. So we, we go back inside. We're going to go grab them. And we go to open the door. And it's locked. So it's, it's shut behind us. So we, we both locked ourselves out of, uh, out of our house. And um, it was pouring rain. And we were both freaking out for like a solid 20 minutes and ended up have, having to um, go back and check all the windows. And luckily we found a very small window that was unlocked that we could get into. But off the top of my head, that's a, that's a pretty funny story that I remember from this season. But just not proud of it, either of us, but you know, it is what it is. So learning experience. <laughs> I guess it gives new meaning to the term baseball lockout. So how did you figure out who went in the window? Oh, well, I'm, I'm a little bit smaller, you know, so I, <laughs> I, I fit right in, went in there, unlocked it for him. But, no, we were really just um, – we didn't know what we were going to do because I thought no shot we were getting into that house, but <laughs> checked every single window. And, you know, hopefully Michael Fulmer doesn't hear this because that was his house. But, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we made it work. So. so you found your way in. That's what matters. And no windows were broken. And – All's well that ends well, right? Absolutely. Kept everything intact, you know, and here we are. So, worked out. Jackson, this has been enlightening, and this has been so helpful for our show, for our listeners, for Tigers fans, because we haven't gotten a chance to really get to know you over the course of this season, because the guy that we had on this show last year and the guy that we have now is not the same guy. And if you want to go back and listen to the show, everybody listening, go back and listen to this conversation we had with Jackson last year, because the learning that has been going on for the last 365 days has been seismic. And 
the experiences that you've had to lead you to this point, you're going to have more of them. And you're going to be on your way sooner than later, farther up this system. And it's been so much fun to watch you even just grow over the course of the calendar year. And I can't thank you enough for being vulnerable and taking us behind the scenes as to what this has been like for you and how you continue to take those steps forward. Thank you very much, Jackson. Appreciate you taking the time with us today. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. That is Jackson Joe right here on the road to Detroit. A huge thanks to Jackson Joe for joining us and giving us a look at what this season has been like for him. I think it is very important to remember that we're still talking about a 20-year-old kid And to have to compartmentalize and process the game the way he's had to has not been easy. When you get picked that high in a draft, a lot of expectations come along with it. So if anything, it's teaching him how to handle what the difficulties of this game that not only he's had to deal with, but that he will continue to deal with throughout his professional career in one way or another. So thanks again to Jackson Joe for joining us this week here on the road to Detroit. Let's look at the road ahead. Lakeland, they're off to Fort Myers. They've got seven games in six days against the low-A team for the Minnesota Twins. It's nice to not have to play the Guardians all over again. West Michigan's got the South Bend Cubs, although that's not going to be easy. They're a high-A team for the Chicago Cubs. And this week, they've got not only Pete Crow Armstrong, who's one of the great minor league players in baseball. He was actually acquired by the Cubs from the New York Mets in the trade for Javier Baez. But Pete Crow Armstrong is there, and Brennan Davis, who has been a top prospect in Major League Baseball, is set to do a rehab assignment in South Bend. So this week in West Michigan, this must-see TV right here, these are the top two prospects in both organizations. The Chicago Cubs and the Detroit Tigers will be facing off against one another this week in Comstock Park. Meanwhile, Erie faces off against the Harrisburg Senators. That's double-A for the Washington Nationals. That's another farm system that has gotten a whole lot of help post the Juan Soto trade. And Toledo, they host the Louisville Bats for six. That's triple-A for the Cincinnati Reds. So there's a look at the road ahead, and that's another edition of the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. A huge thanks once again for Jackson Job coming on, joining us, telling us what this season has been like from his perspective because there's only one perspective from Jackson Job's point of view, and there's been a whole lot of perspectives from other people that have not been Jackson Job. We really appreciate him stepping up and taking some time to explain everything that this season has meant to him and how he's learning from it going forward here on this edition of the RTD. That's another episode of the RTD. For our producer, Nate Wangler, I'm Dan Hasty. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, see ya! No one's been part of more first days of work than Carhartt. And in the same way rookies have to keep earning respect, Carhartt never stops earning the respect of hardworking people like you. From building rugged gear that's tougher than any first day or worst day of work, to re-engineering the classics to outwork the future. Trust your Carhartts to keep doing their job long after you've been doing yours. Since 1889, Carhartt's got your back 24-7. Visit Carhartt.com or visit a retail store near you.